What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders. From ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Let's face it, in our busy lives, we don't eat enough fruits and vegetables. In fact, according to the CDC, only 1 in 10 Americans are eating the recommended daily amount of fruits and vegetables each day, missing out on essential vitamins, minerals, fibers, and antioxidants. And that's where Balance in Nature comes in. Balance in Nature sources only the best produce, free from pesticides, heavy metals, and harmful bacteria. And Balance in Nature is the best fruit and vegetable product on the market. They use only fresh whole fruits and vegetables inside each capsule. They don't use any GMOs, fillers, binding agents, or preservatives of any kind. You're getting real food, real science, real nutrition. I would never endorse a product that I don't use myself, and since using Balance in Nature, I feel more alert, I have more energy, my focus is sharper, and I feel great. Live life to the fullest and choose Balance in Nature. And guess what? PAS Report listeners can get 35% off the first preferred order. Start getting the recommended daily amount of fruits and vegetables you need by using code PAS at balanceofnature.com. Welcome to the PAS Report Weekly Roundup Podcast. The PAS Report provides an honest analysis on the critical issues that matter to you without the biased media filters. Here's your host, Professor Nicholas Giordano. What's up, everyone? Welcome to the PAS Report Podcast. This is your host, Nick Giordano. I hope you had a, had a great weekend out there. I have a great show lined up for you. I have a great guest coming in today. It's someone who I respect, and I've wanted to talk to them for a long time now. Over the years, we have seen a major shift in the media, and while we've been aware of the leftist bias that exists within the media sphere, the shift I'm talking about is how so many in the media have become political activists trying to push political agendas. It's something I talk about often here at the PAS Report. These people are openly advocating for policy. They openly advocate and protect the political class that they deem worthy and that they support. Even worse, they ignore and cover up the corruption within the bureaucracy and among the politicians. I spoke about it last Wednesday with the whole Hunter Biden laptop situation, the Biden family corruption situation. They try and downplay it and make it as if it's a story now just about Hunter Biden. So they're finally admitting that there's something going on with Hunter Biden, that there's evidence of potential criminality with Hunter Biden, but they're still trying to protect Joe Biden to a certain degree. You still have a ton of outlets not even touching this story, but even for the ones that do, like the New York Times, they, they, they're trying their hardest not to bring President Biden into the fold, but the story is about the Biden family, the entire Biden family, the corruption of the Biden family, and how... They latched on to President Biden throughout his political career to enrich themselves. We also know that Hunter Biden was paying the bills of Joe Biden. So there's a lot there. And it really is disgusting. Rather than do their jobs, they want to be friends with these people. They want to be friends with the power brokers instead of covering them with the rigor entrusted to the fourth estate. And we have to worry about that because when the lines between the media and government become blurred, it represents a real danger. We've watched the media malpractice time and time again, and it's only gotten worse. They knowingly print false stories targeting their political opposition. And just think about Russian collusion, how that was covered. 
they'll try and protect their friends all because they wanted to be invited to the parties. They, they want to be with the upper echelon within society. It really is disgraceful. And it's frustrating to people like me who understand the system, who knows how the system operates, who understands that government always seeks to acquire more and more power. And the more power government has, the more of a threat government actually does become. And there are many in the media with actual nefarious intent. They'll print wrong stories, stories that they know that if they just did one ounce of actual journalism, they, they would know they're false, but they'll print them anyway. And then when they finally get called out on it, they'll issue a correction seven months later that nobody pays attention to. It's, you know, on page, you know, 35 in a little section that nobody ever reads. I mean, just look at how initial stories, just look at social media. Initial story will come out. It will get retweeted by the tens of thousands of times, and then it'll turn out to be false. They'll issue a correction that gets like five retweets. So you see exactly what's going on. It's manipulation of the minds. That's what we're seeing happening. But there are some who still have journalistic integrity. There are some who still understand the purpose of the media and the importance of the fourth estate. There are some who are not afraid to expose the corruption and the abuse within the system. It's why I'm so glad to bring in John Solomon, the founder of Just the News and host of the John Solomon Reports podcast. He also co-hosts Just the News, Not Noise with Amanda Head. Fantastic program. I encourage everyone to check it out on Real America's Voice. He's one of the few journalists that I actually have a lot of respect for. So I'm looking forward to this conversation. Before I bring John in, make sure to visit the PAS Report website, pasreport.com. While you're there, sign up for the newsletter and make sure to follow this podcast so you never miss an episode. With that out of the way, I want to bring in John Solomon, founder of Just the News, host of John Solomon Reports and Just the News, Not Noise with Amanda Head. John, so glad you could be here. Do you get any downtime whatsoever with everything you're doing? Not at all. We have a country to save, so you want to work 24-7, just like you. <laughs> well, we certainly have a country to save. It's an absolute disaster. And I wanted to bring you on because your reporting has illuminated a lot of the corruption that we're seeing within the bureaucracy. And we constantly yeah. hear about the threats to democracy. But isn't the biggest threat a corrupt bureaucracy that's accountable to no one? Well, that's what we learned. I mean, that is the ultimate story of the Russia collusion case, right? That FBI and Justice Department and intelligence officials went about and pursued an investigation that hampered a sitting president, knowing full well that the evidence was simply not there. As Pete Strzok, uh, the a a FBI agent famously wrote, no big there there. And even though he thought that, they kept the aura of an investigation around the president for two and a half years, sometimes leaking, sometimes going, oftentimes going to courts and Congress with false information. And that is, to me, the ultimate uh, example of this unaccountable bureaucracy. But we saw it in COVID. We see it in elections. Let's just go to Wisconsin in the elections. The Constitution, our founding fathers has, have always maintained that the rules for elections get set by legislatures. It's enshrined in the Constitution. And yet the Wisconsin Election Commission went out and made its own rules for 2020 with impunity. And uh, now uh, the Wisconsin Supreme Court, not once but not twice, said they made rules that caused hundreds of thousands of Wisconsin voters to vote in an unlawful manner, either using ballot drop boxes that weren't authorized or exempting themselves from voter ID by saying, I want to stay home because I'm afraid of COVID, which, by the way, wasn't a lawful excuse to <laughs> skip voter ID. Uh, so you see it from the state level all the way up to the most powerful intelligence and FBI, uh, law enforcement agencies that we have in this country. And I agree with you. And uh, all the work you've done uh, to illuminate 
uh, particularly schools and what's going on there, it's the same issue, right? These um, school boards, these school administrators who think you're my child, even though the parent is really the uh, owner of the child, you know, the, the primary custodian of the child. We know better than you, parents, of what we're going to teach your children. And I scratch my head when I see those sentiments because they wear them on their sleeve and it should trouble all of us. It certainly should. I mean, I'm actually I've never seen the bureaucracy so out of control. And I do want to touch on the elections in a minute. Such a taboo topic that will get you certainly labeled when you bring it up. But (laughs) as far as the corruption, I just got on Twitter again. Don't don't get me kicked off. (laughs) Well, That's the thing. It's like this full throated attack on anyone that dares to ask questions. Meanwhile, a whole system was established on the idea of asking questions about government. But As far as the accountability goes, we we see absolutely no accountability. I mean, a lot of people don't remember, but in 2015, the CIA was literally spying on sitting members of the United States Senate under John Brennan's leadership. Yeah. Yeah. And and we saw nothing. The Senate was so outraged, but yet they didn't provide, do their function of oversight and actually rein these agencies in. Do you think that the Durham investigation is going to bring some accountability or do you think it's more low level fruit that might be uh, targeted? You know, I think uh, there's going to be a few more rounds of indictments. And I think there are two buckets, right? One is the Hillary Clinton campaign bucket because they concoct the whole scheme. And we now know uh, this is the bombshell that we got at the end of the Trump administration that Hillary Clinton Uh, had a senior foreign policy advisor, we believe he's Jake Sullivan, who was intercepted on the phone in July saying, hey, Hillary Clinton has approved concocting, concocting a false story against Donald Trump and sticking a Russia tag on him so she can get out, get the public not uh, off the focus on her email scandal. Just, it's just mind numbing to think a presidential candidate authorized that and our enemies intercepted it and we intercepted it. Um, So one bucket is, who do you hold accountable? And they're moving up the chain. Now, this is moving like a mafia case. You bring the capos and the lieutenants, and hopefully you get to the godfather. They now it's actually funny the- that you bring up the mob because John Gotti was the Teflon Don, but it seems like Hillary Clinton's almost like Teflon given her whole career. I think the parallels are pretty, uh, pretty similar. And right now they're at a pretty mid-level. They've got you know one of the senior lawyers in the campaign. And to get him... John Durham had to do something that is very rare to do in the legal court system. He was able to pierce the attorney-client privilege of a law firm. Hillary Clinton's law firm had to give up all these emails that you see in the indictment, all these communications. For a court to pierce that, you have to prove the court that there's a larger criminal conspiracy that meets the crime fraud exemption of of attorney-client privilege. So you know that- Unless you're President Trump, then you could just go after any lawyer President Trump uses. And also your executive privilege waved with a magic wand. Uh, But here, they went through the court, they pierced it. That is a sign that there's a much bigger conspiracy they're looking at, and that Sussman is one of the bricks leading up to the stairwell. Uh, On the the flip side is the FBI. We have one indictment and conviction of the FBI. That is uh, a guy named uh, Kleinsmith, who uh, doctored a document, literally changed the meaning and submitted it to the court uh, for the FISA warrant. Uh, and what we, what if he had told the truth, the court would have found out the guy you've been investigating with a FISA warrant turns out to be one of our CIA assets. He's not a Russian stooge. So it was too embarrassing. So he changes the document, lies to the court. One guy down, the, the 
two, there are two very important people that are now cooperating with the investigation. They're very high up in the FBI. One is James Baker, the former general counsel. He's the guy that gets Sussman's bogus Alpha Bank stuff. All the he, he takes in some of the false allegations, spreads them to the FBI. The other is the former counterintelligence chief of the FBI, Pete Strzok's boss. He's the guy that sits between Jim Comey and Andrew McCabe and Pete Strzok and the Crossfire Hurricane agents. The fact that those two are cooperating suggests that they're looking at conduct both immediately upstream, meaning McCabe and Comey, and immediately downstream in the, in the group of agents that ran Crossfire Hurricane. And the, and the allegation there is, did members of the FBI, the Justice Department, the Intelligence Committee engage in a conspiracy to defraud or deceive both the FISA court and Congress? Because both Congress and the FISA court got the same bogus information. They were being told steel's good. We know it wasn't, that this allegation was true. It wasn't. That's the second bucket. I think you're going to see uh, more indictments in both buckets. I think you should buckle in for another six months to a year of John Durham investigation before we see the outcome. And, and I think something that doesn't often get talked about is the fact that John Durham has actually said that the Inspector General Michael Horowitz's report yeah. His report said that, well, they did things wrong, but it wasn't malicious intent. And John Doram saying, no, it actually looks pretty malicious from my perspective. And nobody's really talking about that. Yeah. And perhaps the most important part of that dispute, the one that should trouble us more than anything from a civil liberty, civil rights perspective is uh, the IG said, well, at least they had a right. There's a good reason for why they opened the investigation. And John Durham and Bill Barr have both said, no, it was opened on false pretenses. That is the most scary thing. If the FBI can can get away with opening an investigation on false pretenses, uh, then we have a real problem in America. We're the banana republic that we often thumb our nose at in other countries. So that is a very important admission and statement by Durham. Durham doesn't talk often. He went out of his way to say the IG is wrong on that. I, I can't wait to find out the evidence that illuminates his feeling on that. Absolutely. And the FBI, I mean, it has a number of issues, a number of problems. To me, the direct is completely useless. But even over the last two years, the federal court system on four occasions has lambasted that the FBI has illegally accessed the NSA repository on inf- to get information Sorry. on Americans without a warrant. And, and yet only you and a handful of others have to report it. In fact, I have to go to a lot of the foreign press to actually find out about some Isn't of the that stuff amazing? that's going on. What happened to our media? Well, listen, uh, when you talk about bureaucracies being in control of the information and the narrative, their primary co-conspirator has been the corporate media, the traditional media in America, which our founding fathers from the very beginning thought the free press would be a counterbalance to a big government. What has happened is the free press has now been co-opted by that bureaucracy. You see in the text messages of Andrew McCabe uh, conspiring with New York Times reporters and New York Times reporters and CNN reporters sucking up the FBI agents. The the What has happened in America to both infringe our civil liberties and our free speech and also to impose false truths on the American public, uh, false narratives on the American public is the bureaucracy has found a willing media to collaborate with, and they push those false stories down in the media willingly and openly does it. It isn't just Russia collusion. Just think about something we were force fed last year for about six months. We were told that the Trump administration unequivocally delayed the deployment of the National Guard for many hours, putting lives at risk at the Capitol. In fact, a bureaucrat testified to that, a National Guard adjutant general. When the Defense Department actually looked at the paper, the interviews, they actually said the Trump administration moved with 
extraordinary speed. There were no delays whatsoever. And the biggest failure was the National Guard had been offered to the Capitol two days earlier, and Nancy Pelosi's team said, nah, we don't need it. So imagine we ate that for six or seven months only to be told that was false. And I can go through and we can name them all. Lafayette Square, President Trump uh, violated the civil liberties, and it didn't, it didn't happen. Uh, we uh, Russian bounties on American soldiers. Uh, we're believing that we were told President Trump willfully looked the other way why Russians put bounties on the head of our troops. Not true. Those stories only happen because the bureaucracy and the mainstream media have not become independent of each other. They've become co-collaborators in the creation of false stories. Yeah, and that Bounty Gate one really annoys me because I, I called it from the beginning. I said, this has all the hallmarks of, of fake news. And you had Republicans feigning this outrage, saying, you know, we need to investigate this, blah, blah, blah. And then after the election, I think it was probably April of 2021, the intelligence community comes out and says, well, we actually don't think that's true. And Amazing. it really is. And it shows you the, the problem. But even the Republicans, so the Republicans are constantly preaching uh, about limited government, about reigning in government power. And yet they continue to approve the FISA. They continue to approve uh, the Patriot Act. They m- make very little changes to it. So when it comes to something like January 6th, I thought one of the most revealing things was when Senator Ted Cruz was questioning the assistant director. I believe she was for counterterrorism or counterintelligence. And she didn't answer the question of whether or not FBI agents were on the ground during January 6th, whether the FBI agents were calling for actual violence to take place and whether they participated in any type of, of violent behavior. That's she right. would not answer the question, meaning that they did. And yet nothing, nothing. Think about what we're learning in Michigan in the Governor Whitmer case, which, by the way, was a simultaneous case going on with the early investigation of January 6th, because in November, December and January, we now know that the FBI was looking at the Stop the Steal organizers to see if they were going to do something to uh, have an impact in Washington. At the same time, they're investigating these yahoos up in Michigan who, you know, come up or are lured into the idea that they should kidnap and kill or do something to Governor Whitmer. The test of trial is the homeless ringleader. Yeah. And, And now you're starting to see in the court filings in the early testimony well, it's the FBI informants and agents that are offering them drugs and the explosives. And it is an extraordinary story uh, of potential entrapment. And I listen, I grew up in a blue house. My father was in law enforcement 46 years. My brother's been in for 28. Uh, I believe in cops. I believe in supporting law enforcement. But you can't support law enforcement if they're not playing within the rules that they've been asked and the laws that they've been asked to enforce. And you see an FBI in the last six to eight years that colors outside the lines with impunity. Uh, And then uh, when given a real case, instead of some of the manufactured case like Russia, the case of the Olympian, uh, the the doctor who sexually saw the Olympians, they dropped that one. They're not interested in protecting scores of women uh, who actually were crime victims. They were more interested in the politically sexy but false investigations that they jumped on. Uh, The priorities are wrong. The mindset is wrong in the adherence to law and order is wrong. And the FBI hasn't felt enough pain because Republicans are complicit. Every time we hear, oh, maybe they'll stop FISA this time because they cheated so bad. At the last minute, the Republicans throw in the towel. And uh, on another point, if you want to know why we have a deep state bureaucracy that can do the things we just talked about, uh, Republicans have been in control for most of the last 20 years of either Congress or the White House. And that $22 trillion that have been run up since 2001 in debt 
is on Republican hands. They're just as complicitous in big spending, deficit spending, and bloating the size of government. George W. Bush gave us the Homeland Security atrocity that we have today. Um, uh, the Republican Congress gave us the enhancements of the Patriot Act. And, and, and so Republicans own a big part of this picture that they often whine about. They've got to step up if they do get control and begin to change the policies, not just talk about it, actually do it. Yeah, it's funny because I actually used to be in Homeland Security and Emergency Management prior to teaching full time. And I always criticized the Patriot Act as one of the biggest threats and not for nothing. But President Trump, he illuminated this corruption because of his administration, how they targeted him. But when we look at how the FBI sets people up, I mean, even we didn't pay attention because it was happening and it was terrorism and, you know, Al Qaeda. And that was the fear. But a lot of those Muslim cases, when we go back to it, the same thing happened where the FBI agents were the one offering explosives and the FBI was offering coordination and everything. Yet, at the same time, the FBI drops the ball on the Orlando nightclub shooter, on the Zarnayev brothers in the Boston Marathon bombing, on the San Bernardino shooter. So we see that the actual threats, they completely ignore or miss. They, they speak with these people several times. Some of the school shooters, too, that they had the red flag warnings on. Parkland, Parkland yeah. in Florida. And exactly. There's nothing. So how? What, what do you think is the best way forward? You're exposing it. However, we need to get action on it because exposing it's one thing. However, reforming the system is a completely different story. And how, how do you think we begin that process? It's a great question. I just had dinner the other night with the former intelligence chief for the FBI, a man who really took civil liberties seriously. And he's one of the most respected guys on both parts of the aisle, Republicans and Democrats, both Rivera. And he is deeply dismayed about the state of the bureau. And he, he said, one of the problems we have is that the institutions that we spent most of our lifetime believing they were above politics and they were going to stick to the truth because their job required it have proven that they are willing to give us lies and, and color outside the lines of the laws they were told to uphold. I, you know, I think some people are beginning to think that it's time to create a new agency to take the powers of the FBI, divide them up among different agencies, maybe create an MI5, MI6 scenario. I don't know whether the will in Washington is that, but I do hear people talking about that. And 10 years ago, that would have been laughed off. Right? Ah, we got it. The FBI is doing a great job. Yeah. Uh, the, the Comey McCabe era of the FBI deeply damaged the Bureau in the eyes of the American public and the Merrick Garland era of the Justice Department, where parents suddenly become domestic terrorists simply by expressing their free speech rights at a school board meeting, is doing the same thing now to the Justice Department. Those institutions are going to need a significant cleansing and a redirection. And most people on both the Republican and Democratic sides proved they couldn't stand up to the Mike Pompeo, couldn't stand up to the State Department. Bill Barr couldn't stand up to a large parts of the Justice Department, though he did some things well, like get the Durham investigation started. But you need someone that basically doesn't care what the bureaucrats mm-hmm. tell the Washington Post tomorrow and is going to come in and say, I'm doing this for the American people. And uh, the first element of that is they have to have a mandate. So if voters give Republicans a mandate, Republicans better use that to really make fundamental change, not incremental change. Republicans have been incrementalists for the last 20 years. Fundamental change really hasn't happened from a conservative standpoint since the Reagan years. We've had a lot of pretenders and not a lot of leaders in that time. And uh, I think there's a good book to be written on all the missed opportunities that conservatives had in the early 2000s and the late 2000s to change things. Paul Ryan, you know, always preached about a big budget, about cutting the big budget. He bloated it. He blew it yeah, up. He made 100%. It yeah. 
It's insane. I think the FBI needs to be disbanded, give the mission to the U.S. Marshals much more professional, because I think that a lot of the higher appointed ones, they're infected by ideology and they've corrupted the whole system. Now, getting to the election, because we are seeing a lot of stories in just the news and other outlets out there that are saying, hey, wait a minute, (laughs) there was real questions that did occur when it comes to the 2020 elections. And you still have the power brokers say, well, it's the safest election, the most secure election, even though it came down to only, what, 40, 50,000 votes in several different counties. How do we prevent five that states from happening and, yeah. five states and about three hundred thousand votes uh, determine the election so let's think about what we now know we now know in wisconsin alone hundreds of thousands of votes have been called into question not by a reporter not by donald trump by the supreme court of that state because the wisconsin election commission gave two unlawful instructions one was to distribute uh, mobile ballot boxes, which hundreds of thousands of people used in Wisconsin. That was unlawful, according to both the local court and the Supreme Court. And they told people, if you're afraid um, uh, of COVID and going out in the middle of COVID, you can declare yourself uh, permanently disabled at home and skip voter ID. And the Wisconsin Supreme Court said that wasn't 240,000 people did that. In Wisconsin, the difference between Joe Biden and Donald Trump was 20,000. There are now hundreds of thousands of votes that were unlawfully cast. Or, you know, the people obviously are real voters, but they, they did it in a manner that wasn't allowed by law. That's just one state. You go to Wisconsin, uh, Arizona, 50,000 ballots in question by the audit, 200,000 signatures may not match in Maricopa County along, meaning the signature on the ballot doesn't match the signature on the voter card. That's a very serious question. In uh, Pennsylvania, Common Court, uh, the uh, main court in Pennsylvania said they didn't have a right to do mail-in voting. They violated the Constitution when they went to uh, you know, no excuse mail-in voting. These are big things. You, you you can't go back and map out how the election could have changed if people had abided by the laws. And so really serious stuff. Now you go to specific frauds, right? And we have a couple of them. In Wisconsin, there's an illegal harvesting effort preying on elderly people who didn't have the mental capacity to vote. Some person went in, grabbed their ballot and voted for them. That is the most hideous form of disenfranchising people. We hear Democrats talk all day about disenfranchisement. They don't say a peep about what they did in these uh, nursing homes. And I could uh, guarantee you that that's throughout the country. And it is. We know what happened in Michigan. New yeah. York, everywhere. Yep. Alzheimer's, dementia patients, those that, that don't have their cognitive abilities anymore, tested ballots in 2020. If they didn't kill you in a nursing home by bringing COVID in with this bad instructions, they took your ballot at the end of the election and cast it for you. These are serious, serious issues. Uh, the big lie, which is the term that the media and Democrats in Washington have called for anyone who questions the the, uh, the outcome or the uh, the procedures of the election. You can't even question the procedures. The big lie is not that the, the election was uh, imper- uh, perfect. The big lie is calling it a perfect election. It wasn't. And I'll give you just one example, because this is a big moment. It occurred on national TV. Krebs, the guy who ran the cybersecurity infrastructure, Chris Krebs, he came out right after the election. President Trump then fired him, saying this was a perfect election, totally secure no hacking. At that moment, he said that. We now know from the FBI, from a court case filed in over the Thanksgiving holiday when no one saw it, right? 
that two Iranian hackers hacked into a state election database in 2020, stole 100,000 voters' identities, and used them to influence the election. Now, how can the head of Homeland Security's cybersecurity say it was perfect when they had that evidence and they were making that case? If our voter databases can be hacked by the Iranians and the identities used to influence the election, we did not have a perfect election in 2020. And so I put together 20 documented episodes. It isn't Donald Trump's allegations. It isn't John Solomon's allegations. All of them flow from official government documents or court rulings that now have declared problems. Those 20 episodes put nearly a million votes into question around this country, between a half million to a million votes, way more than the margins in the most important states that decided this election. You mean to tell me that you actually did journalism? No, I actually read, I read that article. I have to plead guilty. I did it. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to. (laughs) It was a fascinating article. And I'm going to have links up to it at the BAS report, because I think it's so important to illuminate everything that's going on. And I think that many, not just amongst the political class, I actually think that many Americans have their heads buried in the sand where They don't realize they're starting to realize. I I think that the lockdowns actually opened a lot of parents eyes when it comes to the schools. But the government is too powerful. And and you know that they can't name how many government agencies actually exist. That's how big and out of control our government has gotten. Something that went under the radar. You know, it's a conversation that will expand at another date. But something that went under the radar, January, uh, June 2021, the National Strategy for Countering Domestic Terrorism. Nobody's talking about it. That was the impetus for the school board memo. How dangerous is that document? Listen, the philosophy of it, that uh, the expression of free speech could constitute domestic terrorism is extraordinarily dangerous. And it's part of this larger effort that anything that the ruling class does not believe to be truth or that doesn't meet their values is now called misinformation. Remember Hunter Biden's laptop, which turns out to be totally true? 50 national security bureaucrats, CIA directors, former CIA directors, declared that that was Russian disinformation. There's not a shred of evidence to base that letter on. We know it because the DNI said there was none. And now we know we now know that that laptop was legitimately dropped off by Hunter Biden. How do we know that? I went and hired the FBI's handwriting expert. He looked at the receipt and said, and matched it to Hunter Biden's signatures on over 100 documents. And he says, I would test swear under the penalty of perjury. That is Hunter Biden's uh, signature on the receipt. So Hunter Biden did deliver the laptop. It wasn't Russian misinformation. And yet 50 Democrats and hundreds of media institutions reported that. And then Twitter censored that information from the American voter before the uh, November 2020 election. That's how dangerous this idea that free speech constitutes terrorism or misinformation. If we don't stop it soon, we will not be the America that our founding fathers intended. Yeah, it, it really is frightening. But Hunter Biden's an artist now, so I, I we don't have to worry <laughs> yeah. about him anymore. It's yeah. truly insane, the times we're living in. John, I really appreciate you taking the time to speak I'm to the audience. I'm a huge fan of your work, Nick. You do great stuff. Thank you so much, and I'd love to have you back on. Anytime. I really enjoyed that conversation, and I could guarantee that you guys out there, the the PAS Report audience, smartest audience out of everywhere, I'm sure you enjoyed it as well, because John is someone that really speaks to the root of the matter. He is someone who actually exposes the corruption and abuse of power within the system, and he's not afraid to get to the truth. And that's what journalism should be about. doesn't matter if it's corruption on any side. It needs to be exposed, including our own side. If there's corruption, expose it. 
because you can't have people in power that are abusing their power. It's unacceptable. It goes against the grain. And listen, I'm not naive enough to think that we could root out all possible corruption that exists within the system. Human nature tells us that it's going to exist. But when it turns to an abuse of power, that's where it becomes really dangerous. So make sure that you check out Just the News, listen to John Solomon reports, listen to Just the News, Not Noise. I have all the links up at the PAS Report, pasreport.com. So check it out. Don't forget to share this episode with family and friends. Hit the follow button so you never miss an episode. And I want to thank you for joining me. I'm going to be back on Wednesday. I got a fantastic episode lined up for you. So make sure you tune in. Thank you for listening to the PAS Report Weekly Roundup Podcast. Podcast. Have a good one. Bye. Be sure to rate, share, and subscribe to the podcast so you'll never miss an episode. Also, visit PASReport.com and follow us on Twitter at PASReport. If you own a vehicle with less than 200,000 miles and have an auto warranty about to expire or no warranty coverage at all, listen up. CarShield has a low-cost, month-to-month vehicle protection plan that covers more parts than ever. Visit carshield.com audio to find out how you could pay almost nothing for covered auto repairs. Drivers who activate this vehicle protection today will also receive free roadside assistance, free towing, and car rental options at no additional cost. Get your free quote today at carshield.com audio. That's carshield.com audio.